from world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S care.com. We look forward to serving you. Are you feeling down, anxious, not yourself? Sometimes medication can help. Having to find a provider, wait for an appointment, then deal with a huge bill can make things worse. Do better with HERS. We'll connect you with a licensed psychiatry provider for an online evaluation. If medication's prescribed, HERS ships directly to your door. Affordable care, no insurance required. Get started with a free consultation at forhers.com. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S.com. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates, including the all-new Good News Radio Network. And we're very happy to be part of the Good News Radio Network because in today's world, you can never get enough good news. If you'd like to send us an email, exxon at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, And you can listen to the Exxon 724-365 at www.exxonradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Marilyn Roach. Uh, She works as a historian and illustrator. Her illustrations, how-to articles, and travel pieces have been featured in the Boston Globe. She's lectured to groups ranging in age from kindergarten to senior citizens and is the author of the classic, The Salem Witch Trials, a day-by-day chronicle of a community under siege. Uh, She is a lifelong resident of Watertown, Massachusetts. And this hour, we're going to be talking to Marilyn about Six Women of Salem, the untold story of the accused and their accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. Joining me now is Marilyn Roach. And Marilyn, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great having you with us. Uh, tell me, where did your interest in the uh, the uh, witch trials in Salem come from? 
Well, the spooky factor uh, always got my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple of library books when I was growing up that I took out now and then on the subject, but it was really back during the bicentennial of the American Revolution when local history of all kinds was emphasized again, mm-hmm. other than the revolution. And I had a guidebook. I found a guidebook on Salem as it was then, and went up on the commuter rail and, and fell in love with the city. <laughs> it's really a, quite a beautiful place. It has a lot of history other than the witch trials, great architecture and stuff. But uh, I went to certain places that were historical and and uh, focusing on the witch trials. And I thought uh, some of what I heard, and this was before tourism really took off in mm-hmm. Salem, but some of what I heard wasn't exactly like what I had read. So I thought I'd look into it, and I thought maybe there's a book in it. And 27 years later, my Salem Witch Trials book came out, <laughs> took a little research. Mm-hmm. That one was trying to tell everything. But uh, new information keeps turning up, and uh, I've invested so much time in the subject that I didn't want to waste my life and stop trying with that one, but it, it still continues to fascinate me. Tell me, who were the six women of Salem? Mm. Well, yeah, uh, with th- that book, the, the most recent one, mm-hmm. I... I uh, tried to focus on specific individuals. It's more of a biographical uh, take on the subject. And there, it, I tried to show them as, you know, they were actual people. Mm-hmm. And, and what they went through was real for them. Uh, so the suffering and, and in two cases, death. So uh, the specific ones that I uh, focused on was Rebecca Nurse, Bridget Bishop, Mary English, and Putnam Senior, Tituba, and Mary Warren, because their various uh, experiences that year covers the the map of what people went through who got involved in it. Were these six really witches? No, no. <laughs> That's that's the tragedy. None of them were as they were accused to be. And one of them, Anne Putnam Sr., mm-hmm. was herself not accused, but she was certain she was being afflicted by various supposed witches, including Rebecca Nurse, especially. Uh, wow. No, the... Uh, hmm? No, no, I was just the saying, le- wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The legal definition of witch then was somebody who had a familiar spirit, which is to say some evil spirit was helping them do evil magic against their supposed victims. And uh, none of these seem to be trying, even trying to do that. And Massachusetts, of those who were put to death, Massachusetts did reverse the attainder on their guilty verdicts in 1710 of those who uh, petitioned for. And uh, Five more people had their names cleared in 2001. Wow. Marilyn, please stand by. You and I have to take our first commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exo Nation, my guest this hour is Marilyn Roach. She's the author of Six Women of Salem, the untold story of the accused and their accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. Two websites where you can find a copy of Six Women of Salem, www.amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Marilyn and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
XO Nation, my author this hour is the author of Six Women of Salem, the untold story of the accused and their accusers in the Salem witch trials. Her name is Marilyn K. Roach, and you can find out, uh, you can get copies of Six Women of Salem at Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble. Um, going back to the the time of the Salem uh, witch trials, what 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 was it that 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 brought the attention to any individual, and pointed them out to be a witch? Yeah, well, usually there was some sort of friction between the suspect and their neighbors. Mm-hmm. Ongoing. Uh, typically, most of the suspects had been and and else in Europe and in England. Uh, were older women who didn't have a, a family around to speak up for her and uh, maybe had to ask favors because she was uh, poor and got on the neighbor's nerves a bit. Or if, and if you're grouchy, uh, that certainly doesn't help. But uh, in 1692, uh, people from all walks of life got uh, accused. But it was an unusually um, tense time because... There was a war on. Uh, the mm-hmm. French, Canadian, and their native allies were making frontier raids into New England and New York, too. King, King Louis would have liked the uh, the English colonies. But uh, there was smallpox beginning to crop up again. The uh, economy was not helped by any of this. England was keeping a sharp eye on the, uh, the way the politics were going in Massachusetts because they were a little less obedient than mm-hmm. other colonies. Uh, they had gotten their charter back after proving sufficient loyalty to the crown, which which took a while. But uh, one provision was they had to make sure that all of the local laws did not uh, conflict with English common law. But in England and in America at the time, I mean in Massachusetts, witchcraft was illegal, so that didn't help people who were being accused. I guess not. So there's all these all these general problems and mm-hmm. oh, a piracy, privateering that went along with the war and people could be held for ransom either in, in Canada or mm-hmm. taken to the Barbary Coast. So that on top of local country and town conflicts in the Salem area, the rural part wanted to be its own town because their concerns were sort of different. But within that village, there were uh, sides on various questions as to whether they'd hired the right minister or not, and that and uh, personality Mm -hmm. conflicts. So that when two of the girls in the minister's household, his daughter and niece, they were 9 and 11, had some sort of malady, or appeared to, they were said their heads hurt, and they were making odd noises, creeping under the furniture. I, I don't know if it was a, a game that went wrong, there was something physically wrong with them, but it kind of escalated. The family tries home remedies at first. They're treating it as a regular illness. That doesn't work. They call in medical doctors, the various area ones, and finally one of them uh, gives, as his opinion, they must be under an evil hand because he can't find any other reason. Oh, my gosh. Meaning there's a spell. And if there's a spell, somebody's cast it. And the family doesn't go to the law right away, but 
the neighbors are left wondering, you know, who's doing this? Mm-hmm. And a neighbor uh, came over when the minister and his wife were out and suggested to the servants, that would be the slave woman, Tituba, and, and her husband, uh, uh, suggested a British folklore charm that was supposed to turn the magic that had the evil magic that had been projected at the supposed victims and push it back to whoever had cast it and that person would reveal herself, presumably a woman, and uh, then you'd find out who was at fault. But instead, the girls, I, I'm assuming they're aware of what's going on, and they realize, I guess, that the adults are taking this seriously, and maybe there really are witches out there, if they hadn't believed it before that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they just get worse, and they start to have convulsions and see things that aren't there as far as anyone else is concerned. Although extreme fear can cause hyperventilation and you can see shadowy things at the corner of your vision, that might have been part of it. But anyway, they get worse. They start naming some people, either on their own or because the adults are making, uh, asking them leading questions, with not necessarily realizing it's a leading question, but before... Too, too much time has gone by. Tituba, the, the poor woman who made the charm for the neighbor, who should have known better than to have suggest anything magical, uh, and two other women, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne, are accused and arrested and questioned on the 1st of March in 92. It starts there and it gets worse. Son of a gun. Um, did the charm work? Pardon me? Did the charm that this lady make work? Oh, the charm. Uh, well, it didn't, re- unless it could be considered that it worked if you believed that the invisible spirits were the people who were named. Mm-hmm. It was, but uh, I, it just made them more overexcited, I gotcha. think. Gotcha. Now, um, did the church play any part of this? Well, it was the minister's household, and it would certainly be embarrassing that the devil seemed to be targeting it. <laughs> and the congregation was divided as to whether they'd hired the right man to be Mm -hmm. the minister there. But um, even though witchcraft was a felony and was tried in a civil court, the definition of what witches were supposedly doing would be a religious definition, but that was the same in England and everywhere else. Religion was the the specialists in the spirit world and spiritual matters. Isn't it rather ironic that in religious philosophies you can wear little medals of the different saints, and these are amulets no matter which way you look at them. They're to ward off spirits. They're to ward off evil. And yet when somebody outside the, the club tries to do it, they're considered a witch. Of course, the Puritans didn't go, uh, didn't have any faith in amulets, whether they were Catholic or yeah. not. But uh, yeah, it would have they they had some rather insulting terms for that sort of thing. They did, eh? But uh, but yeah, I mean, human nature reared its ugly head and mm-hmm. and it got out of hand because during the questioning that first day in March, uh, the the two other women denied the charge. Tituba denies the charge, but she's 
finally sort of backed into making statements that are taken into at taken as a confession. She's not kind of backed into a corner uh, verbally and uh, describes seeing which is trying to hurt herself, uh, invisible to ordinary people. But uh, because there are supposedly other witches out there, unnamed, because she said mm-hmm. she didn't know who they were, people are now wondering, well, who else is out there that we should arrest and uh, get out of the way? And it backfired splendidly at that point. Was the was the courts in those days eager to to find these alleged witches guilty? Well, uh, magistrates certainly seemed to be more cautious before 92. But the questioning that survives, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of dialogue that got written down, which is really great when you want to be a fly on the law, Um, it does sound as if the questioning magistrate, who's usually John Hawthorne, uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's ancestor, he does sound as if he presupposes that they're guilty. And uh, the chief justice, when it got to the actual trials, mm-hmm. the chief justice seemed to have that mindset, too. Although a couple of people got let go in, in the original, in the preliminary hearings, and there was one not guilty verdict that unfortunately got overturned. But, uh, yeah, it, it it really got out of hand. Uh, prior to this, although there had been executions of supposed witches, uh, there was more caution. But everything went wrong in 92. How many people were, were uh, put to death all told because they were believed to be witches in that uh, time in period? 19- yeah, in what was it, 92? Uh, 1692. Uh, Mm -hmm. 19 were hanged. My goodness. Uh, But there were 52 trials altogether, 30 guilty verdicts, and 19 were hanged. Although most of the trials actually took place the following winter when they no longer accepted spectral evidence, like descriptions of these invisible creatures coming Mm -hmm. after them. So once you didn't use that as evidence. It was real hard to prove anybody was really a witch. And by then, people had more, more and more people had reacted against the way things were going and, and uh, had generally calmed a bit. And the following winter, only three were actually found guilty, and, and none of those hanged. Was there a change in the political power between nineteen between ninety two and ninety three? Not really. No, um, right. uh, there was, let's see, in the summer of ninety two, uh, because the government is carefully rewriting its laws, mm-hmm. not to c- conflict with English law. There's a, a special court called Oyer and Terminer to hear and to decide. Uh, tried the the suspects, which would be, which was something that was done when there was a temporary need for something that wasn't at the usual time the court sat. Right. In uh, at the next winter, it was the regular Superior Court of Massachusetts, the beginning of the one oh, we still have, but it was almost entirely the same cast of characters with a few changes. So not really. Uh, one judge, uh, uh, Somebody Saltonstall left the bench in 1692. I 
think he disagreed with how the way things were going. Mm-hmm. But uh, and the next year, maybe one or two men were different, but it was really the same people. But they just couldn't use the spectral evidence. All right, Marilyn, stand by, dear. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation Nation, Marilyn Roach is our guest. She's the author of Six Women of Salem, the, un- the untold story of the accused and their accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. Her book is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And we'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. This is Elizabeth Joyce with Stargazing Week of November 3rd through the 8th, 2014 with the X-Zone. Are you still adjusting to setting back the clocks? At least we all got that extra hour sleep. Sunday is a soft day, one to rest and relax. At least we're through Mercury retrograde in two eclipses. The tone... Are you ready for spring? Well, now's the perfect time to head out to your local garden center and pick up a hydrangea from proven winners to add to your landscape. Proven Winners hydrangeas are gorgeous and simple to care for. There's just no better or easier way to enjoy a flower-filled summer. Take the time to plant one now and look forward to years of enjoyment and compliments. Look for Proven Winners hydrangeas in the white containers at your favorite garden center. Now it's time for a plant fact. Roses are one of the oldest ornamental plants in cultivation, with a history going back over 5,000 years. The philosopher Confucius wrote about them, and Roman emperors treated their guests to dining on carpets of rose petals, with thousands more raining down from above. Become a part of this epic history by planting a proven winner's rose. Just look for the white containers at your local garden center, or visit provenwinnerscoloredchoice.com. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Changes on Monday with an Aries moon, as we expect upsets on Election Day when the moon aligns with Uranus. Should prove to be interesting. Focus this week is on the full moon on Taurus on Thursday the 6th. The full moon is opposed by Saturn, Venus, and the Sun. You will be called into your emotional depths in order to restructure your values. This full moon is complicated and can be stubborn intensely sensual and may uncover feelings you have about relationships secret attitudes and what you've been hiding about your money issues taurus rules the throat so is there anything you've had a difficult time swallowing this has been going on all year but we are in the final stages of saturn and scorpio so it's time to clean up the theater and get ready for the new show commencing on christmas eve when saturn moves into sagittarius Beginning on the weekend, a third of Mars aligns with karma giving and rebirthing Pluto, and this can bring in some negative, violent, and destructive moments. Give a wide berth on the road, as well as to people who are impatient or angry. 
Mercury plunges back into Scorpio as well, bringing in communications that are secretive, manipulative, and accompanies the green-eyed monster, Scorpio. This is the best time to file for bankruptcy or foreclosure, as well as to be sure that your insurance coverage is up to date. On the positive side, you can apply your physical energy through meditation and visualization to transform your life at core levels. Pay attention to any anger and resentment that appear within you, and don't try to force any issues as others may have the upper hand. The moon moves into Gemini on the weekend and brings talking, communications, lots of short trips, quick errands while you're keeping on the move. It's not the weekend to begin any focused projects, or so just relax and take in a movie. Ideas are flowing now, but the ideas may not manifest. And for more information or for a private one-on-one consultation with Elizabeth Joyce, visit her website at www.visions. No, I'm sorry, it's new-visions.com. That's www.new-visions.com. Exonation, my guest this hour is Marilyn Roach. She is the author of Six Women of Salem, the untold story of the accused and their accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. It's available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, What are some of the most common misconceptions about the trials? Well, no one was burned. People still say that. Really? That was yeah. That well, that was in Europe and Scotland. But uh, uh, witchcraft was a felony, and the punishment for that was hanging. Oh. Oh, and uh, also, there were men accused. It was uh, mostly women who were accused, but mm-hmm. uh, some men were executed that summer also, including a minister. So when we look at the entire witchcraft scenario, it was just based on hearsay and people believed that there were spirits and there was actually no ev- evidence? Well, evidence would tend to be anecdotal. It uh, depends what you, how you want to prove something. Um, it was traditional. Uh, people felt things, Mm -hmm. but uh, interpreting it was another matter. Uh, And of course, the problem that summer was supposedly evil spirits. So if you you needed an scapegoat goat for all your problems, it was was just, all right, let's call somebody a witch and that'll explain why we're having all this bad luck. Uh, Well, yes. (laughs) I'm not necessarily a conscious lie, Mm -hmm. but... uh, if if uh, it's assumed that this is a possibility and somebody you don't like who rubs you the wrong way, you wouldn't put it past them necessarily to uh, jump in the devil's pocket and uh, and go bad. What is your opinion of witchcraft? Do you think it's real or do you think it's all a matter of mind over matter? Well, it also the definition of witch depends on who's talking, too. Mm-hmm. I mean... Back then, it was someone who was consorting with evil spirits, with the devil behind it all. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's also neo-pagans and Wiccans nowadays, mm-hmm. and in Salem mm-hmm. and elsewhere, who uh, define what they do as a nature-focused religion, mm-hmm. and that they don't have anything to do with a devil figure. And then there's the 
folklore witches, which are seem and fairy tale witches who seem to be kind of magical creatures in their own rather than getting their power from a spirit. And you know, there's a statue of Samantha Stevens from the old TV show Bewitched mm-hmm. in Salem that a, a TV network put up. So I mean, that's a totally different concept. Um, uh, folklore was still fairly strong. I mean, the Puritan t- uh, ideas was you didn't mess with this sort of thing. Oh, the but Puritans the folk- were the Puritans were based on a very controlling society. Well, it, village life anywhere it, it required cooperation to get anything done for survival, and uh, yeah, they they kept an eye on their neighbors, but uh, they. Let's see. Where was I going with this? Um, But folklore was still pretty strong among people generally. I mean, that charm that Mm -hmm. was supposed to reveal the witch, that was something that had been going on forever, I guess, in England. And uh, people had charms that they, some people used, to try and repel somebody else's evil magic that they thought was being directed toward them. And some people told fortunes. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the men who hanged, Samuel Wardwell, would look at a person's palm and tell their fortune, and that kind of backfired on him that year. But, I mean, the folk tradition was that there were good spirits Mm -hmm. as well as the evil spirits, and there was the idea that possibly some of these effects were natural, like something scientific they didn't have a definition for. Sure. And because, let's see, um, during some of the hearings, this what they call the touch test, someone's having convulsions, which is which was not usual in most witchcraft accusations, but it was kind of a trademark of what was going on in 1692. It's sort of psychologically catching, I guess. But uh, theoretically, the the witch has projected evil at the victim, causing her to feel pain and convulse, which would be really dumb to do in the courtroom in front of all those witnesses, but you know, that they weren't thinking that clearly. Anyway, if the supposed witch touches the victim, the evil substance flows back into her hand and comes out of her victim. She It, it makes sort of by osmosis, I guess. So they would require the uh, suspect, the defendant, to touch the person who's having the problems there, and they'd relax because they expected it to have a good effect. And uh, that was supposed to prove something. But, uh, you know, that's folklore, and the judges were doing it, even though they probably didn't realize they were doing something mm-hmm. they, that was magical and they should not have touched it. So, so once again, let me ask you, do you, in your own opinion, oh. is witchcraft real? I don't know. Possibly there's some kind of way to control psychic things, which I suppose is the best defini- definition I could have of this, for good or evil. Uh, I don't know. It makes an excellent story. Mm-hmm. For writing purposes, it's great, but I don't know with any particular incident that I've heard of, but 
you know, you you, you kind of hope that something good, of course, sure. the good stuff. <laughs> you kind of, I kind of hope it's true, but I really don't know. So I want to keep the, my mind open. On so that. during the doing the research for your book, did you speak to any witches in Salem? Uh, no, I. How come? Well, I was doing the historical part of it. Well, what would, wouldn't been, wouldn't history, history dictate that you get their side of the story? Well, I don't think that the people who were accused in 92 were doing anything like what people now are, or that they were even trying to, te- to do magic, except for the fortune-telling business part of uh, that a couple of them tried. Why do you? Th- why do you looking think? Looking into the old records to see what it said then. So, how do we apply the old records to today's society and the way today's societies thinks? How do we? How do we? How do we read something from 1692 and relate it to what's going on today? And why do you think that's prevalent? Hmm. Well, the usual lesson is that uh, you don't get carried away with fear when you think something's happening. And even mm-hmm. if there is a problem, is the person you think might be guilty of whatever, right. is that is that correct? I mean, is the evidence really pointing that way, or are you uh, kind of overreacting to it? Like the way Arthur Miller, who changed history a bit in his play, The Crucible, uh, showed people overreacting to their fears, or in his case, they were lying. In the, in, uh, his characters were definitely supposed to be lying. But uh, until the uh, public furor is not believing someone's true statements, and if they tell a lie, then they're believed because it goes along with their preconceptions. That seemed to be the most important lesson from this trial the trials and of course it was the last time witchcraft was tried in or supposed witchcraft was tried in massachusetts the whole thing was just so awful and embarrassing mm-hmm. that it they didn't try it again and anything else that got to the courts was someone suing someone else for defamation because they'd called them a witch oh i got you so and actually there been cases like that before mm-hmm. when it was still a hanging offense people would sue for defamation of character, and sometimes they won. So why do you think that the witchcraft, uh, the the trials in Salem, are, is is the part of the witchcraft history that we remember most or that intrigues people the most instead of the other 300 and some odd cases that that have gone before? Uh, yeah, well, and, and so many in Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, it's well documented. I mean, not all of the paperwork has survived. Right. And there's a you know there's a lot I'd like to know that there doesn't seem to be any record of, but it is well documented with actual questions and answers, so you get the way people speak and the back and forth in the court and actual words. And it was in there were books for and against what the or at least support supporting the mm-hmm. courts uh, written around the time of the trial. And then it became part of literature with Nathaniel Hawthorne's works and Arthur Miller, so that it's it did become sort of the witchcraft trial that everybody remembers, even when vast, larger ones from abroad say are forgotten and 
smaller ones in, in North America uh, get ignored altogether. It, it people didn't want to talk about it for mm-hmm. a while, but uh, it was it was just too well known and well documented so that you could go find the papers and look at them. So it it got it got to be the scapegoat for all the others. Right. But uh, they did apologize after a while, but it was too little, too late. Why do you think this story still resonates with modern audiences? Well, the spooky factor helps. Uh, And uh, later generations have sort of treated it as if it was an example of how dumb they were in the past and Mm -hmm. and how gullible as compared to we modern people, which is kind of the way the Victorians were describing it. We know better than this now. But they can get overexcited and get carried away with uh, thinking something's wrong and and accusing the wrong people in some other matter than supposed magic, like the McCarthy hearings, that sort of thing. But it keeps happening with human nature. Mm-hmm. You find scapegoats, and you assume you're right, and you don't look at the evidence enough. And it's funny, still in the world today, in certain parts of the oh. world, witchcraft is a very serious crime. Yes, and even in countries apparently where it's not something that the courts uh, are concerned with, Mm -hmm. vigilante justice has actually killed people in many places. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that the victims uh, did do anything other than disagree with someone, but um, the accusers have done a certain amount of damage still. It's amazing. It truly is amazing uh, that I I guess it all depends on what your outlook is on witchcraft and all the other divination arts, whether or not it's evil or not. Like, I've been doing this show for 23 years, and I haven't seen as much evil in divination arts as I Mm -hmm. have seen in people who profess to be great religious followers. Mm, Well... It should be anything to do with magical things. I I would think that it could be used for good or evil, because that's what humans do. They can take anything and make a mess of it. They certainly can. Life is simple. We complicate it. Stand by, Marilyn. You and I have to take our final break. Please stand by. Exonation. Marilyn Roach is our guest. She's the author of Six Women of Salem, the untold story of the accused and their accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. Her book is available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. So, Nation, my guest this hour is Marilyn Roach. She is the author of Six Women of Salem, the untold story of the accused and their accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. Her book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. 
Uh, Marilyn, what is the message you'd like to leave with our listeners tonight about your book and about witchcraft in general? Hmm. Well, with the Six Women book, uh, I wanted to present them as real individuals Mm -hmm. instead of symbols of something or faceless figures in a Greek chorus in a play or something. Because finding details about their lives when I could, it it made them more real. And, of course, what they went through was real, including the suffering and death for two of them. Uh, But um, just... uh, Generally, the way human nature you've got, rears its ugly head, and at the, on the other side of that, the, the bravery of some of the people who were accused, and of uh, many many neighbors who actually spoke up for them. It didn't do poor Rebecca Nurse any good, but many of her neighbors actually signed mm. petitions to say that she was a good person. And, uh, well, witchcraft can be as a word, it can be a tool against your neighbor to call them that. It depends on how it's defined as to what it means in any particular anecdote or story. You know, the the old definitions and the new definitions. Yeah. So, but, but you, do, you have to know but, what you're talking about. But would you would you about. agree that? A spell only works if the person believes they are under a spell? It certainly helps. Uh, Apparently, from what I've heard, uh, Mm -hmm. if someone believes something bad's going to happen strongly enough, uh, they'll feel some kind of symptoms, uh, and it it self-perpetuates. Of course, if someone's trying to... uh, in ill intention person mm-hmm. tries to convince them that that's going to happen then they're not being very they're not being benign about it but uh, I think a lot of what did happen then people convinced themselves and the fear well it, it tenses people up if nothing else and then you can feel bad and that proves to them that or seems to that something awful is going on and so mm-hmm. they feel worse and it self-perpetuates and and gets out of, can get out of hand. It's like that old saying: "If you confess it, you will possess it." <laughs> you know, possessed in many ways. Yes. That year. All right. So uh, I want to thank you so much, Marilyn, for joining us. Uh, continued well, success. You. A lot of great research. A lot of interesting facts. And uh, I look forward to the next time you join us back here in the X Zone. So until then, take care of yourself, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, you take care of yourself now and watch out for those witches. <laughs> yes. All right, bye-bye now. Bye. Nation, my guest uh, was um, Marilyn K. Roach, and uh, she is the author of Six Women of Salem, The Untold Story of the Accused and Their Accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. Her book is available on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exxonradiotv, 
and our main website where you can listen to the Exxon 724 365 I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Whatever you do, don't go away. What are you doing way up on that ladder? You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, I'm trying to unclog these gutters. That's smart. I had water damage from my gutters last year. It cost me ten grand. You, wait, $10,000? Yeah, and from over here, it looks like water's been pouring over your clogged gutters, and it's probably doing real damage to your foundation. You need to do what I did. Get off the ladder and call Leaf Filter. Yeah, but I need to get these gutters flowing now. That's why you need to call Leaf Filter. They'll clean and realign your gutters and install their exclusive micro-mesh screen system so nothing gets in your gutters except water. So Leaf Filter protects my house from damage and means no more gutter cleaning for me? Bingo! Plus, Leaf Filter has an industry-leading lifetime warranty, so your gutters are covered for life. Thanks, Frank. I'm calling Leaf Filter today. Don't go another day with your home unprotected. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com for your free gutter inspection. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com right now for an extra 15% savings. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com. That's 1-844-300-LEAF. Leaf. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. 